For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to recap uh, an overtime thriller, guys, right? Could you classify it as that? Matthias pointed out, on Twitter, that it took the Titans four hours to lose to the New York Jets. Yeah, that was a crazy long game. It, it felt like probably one of the longest ones in, in Titans history. At least it felt like to me. Obviously, there's that Dolphins game from a couple years ago. Oh, uh, that had the, that had the lightning delay. Uh, but this one had no delays. It was it just kept dragging on, and, and no one wanted to win. Um, this was karma because... There was about five minutes, or no, there's like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it was maybe 2.15. And I turned to Austin Stanley, who I was sitting next to, I was like, this game's flying by. We're going to be out of here at 3 o'clock. Uh, yeah, so sorry about that. <laughs> I can't believe when y'all jinxed the Titans game. Yeah. It's crazy. It's never happened before <laughs> ever. It's almost as if somebody's been trying to stop this apocalypse for three years now. Uh, hey, what, yeah, that was miserable, right? Well, what can what can you say about this? I mean, there, there there's a lot we're going to get into. We're going to get into Mike Vrabel. And I, I feel like this is a conversation. You know, every year you can count on a, a bad Titans loss like this. You can count on a Taylor Lewan apology press conference. And you can count on us having to have the conversation of, is Mike Vrabel a good coach? Every year we come back to this. And I think he is a good coach. I think Mike Vrabel is a B coach that you can win a Super Bowl with, but he's got glaring flaws, and one of them is you're going to have games like that. Yeah, uh, it, it's weird because I feel like in the past, at least in the past couple of seasons with Vrabel, uh, he has made like in-game decisions that have been baffling, and some of them have like actually cost them games. And, and I feel like we've had the, the conversation on Vrabel most of the time because of those things. But lately, it's been because the team just does not show up uh, in games like this, and they play down to their opponent. Um, I thought what they were past this, man. Like I, the, I, I can't remember the last time like this happened. Um, I, because I honestly can't even remember the, last the Bengals season. game, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess the Bengals game. But I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't go into that one confident that they were going to win. <laughs> But that might be an indictment on Vrabel uh, as it is, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's rough. 
like the, so the problem with rape, I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems. I, I think I agree with you, Luke, that I think that Vrabel is a B-level coach and that you can win a Super Bowl with him. Like I, but like I, you have to understand that he is a coach who does not know how to do anything well on the field. His specialty that, that's is not, and that's no, not true. Nope, nope, nope. It, it is like his specialty is knowing what penalties are, how to talk to refs and try to get them to call penalties in the Titans' favor, which works. He understands how to. I don't want to say when to be aggressive, but he's gotten better at that. But he's got no quality experience running the defense well. He's never done it at any level. He does not understand how to run an offense. That's why we're seeing so many issues with the lack of play action and stuff this year. He cannot help himself from micromanaging. And his one calling card should be that his players play for him no matter what, and they're always up for a game. And that's not true now the positives are you never have to worry if the titans can beat a team that they can beat any team in the league exactly and not and and not like a like any given sunday thing it's a you know he's beaten the bills the chiefs the ravens and i was just i I was having dinner with someone earlier and i was said we were talking about the titans i said i i mean i could totally see them beating the bills in, in two weeks on Monday Night Football, I could also see them losing to Jacksonville this week. Yeah, the, the, I wrote something today uh, that said the question with Mike Vrabel is never can they beat a team, it's will they lose to this team? Because y- you always, every game is a trap game with this team. Like the Cardinals game, they, they were unprepared, they weren't ready, they did, had no chemistry on offense. That's that is what it is. That's you know, week one games are always weird in a vacuum. But like this game was indicative of what we've seen from Vrabel. When they have the lead, they don't know how to put their foot on somebody else's neck and really end a game. Like they don't know when but, to be aggressive. But that's not entirely true because we've seen him do it before. I think back to Detroit last year, who they knocked the crap out of. They killed the Bears at Nissan Stadium in 2020. Go back to 2019, when they played the Jaguars at Nissan Stadium, that is one of the most dominant and perfect games of football that I've ever seen from a team, from the Titans that day. That wasn't because they were aggressive. That was because Derrick Henry ripped off, what, like four separate 40-plus yard runs? And also, they had a fumble on special teams by Darren Bates that gave him the ball inside of Jacksonville's 20. Like It wasn't like he was like, we're going for it on fourth down. We need to be aggressive. We're in the red zone. Throw to the end zone. Like It was because the conservative play calls just happened to pop. Like There was no... There, there was no like internal drive or there was no emphasis on we need to beat this team by, you know, we need to make sure if we're up by 21 that we get up by 28. Like he is always, if you're a touchdown ahead, he is more than willing to kick a field goal at any given time. Like, and that is a huge, a huge misstep between him and understanding and self scouting what his teams actually are, which is, you know, for the most part, defenses that are going to give up explosive plays and when they give up explosive plays it's not a 20-yard catch it's a 60-yard catch like that you know they very rarely know how to stop the bleeding so 
that's that's the problem I have with Vrabel is I think he's shown over and over again that he doesn't know how to impart a killer instinct to his team. He is inconsistent in terms of when he really thinks that teams need to score a touchdown or when he's ready to kick a field goal. And I mean, you can see it at the end of the game. Like he he went for the tie. Like that is a loser move. I, I know that y'all don't necessarily agree with that, but if you're kicking for if you're you know if you're kicking a fifty yard field goal or whatever, you know, j- just throw the ball to the end zone three times, and whatever happens happens at that point. If you're running out of time, well, but don't I mean don't kick a field goal. We we can have that conversation in a minute, and we will have that conversation first. I, I want to talk about a flaw that the Titans very clearly have. It's one that I don't know if it's fixable, and I think it might come from Vrabel. I'm not sure, though. I want your guys' thoughts on that. First, though, Matthias, I believe you have some words from our friends at Manscaped. I do. We have a great partnership with Manscaped, just like a bunch of people all over the world do. They're one of the most reputable companies out there, and we're proud to to partner with them. Uh, they, they have a new fourth generation, uh, brand new, uh, Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, it, it's a fourth generation trimmer, uh, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce accidents uh, because of that advanced skin safe technology. It's got itself a 7,000 RPM motor, uh, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, uh, and it's even waterproof. So you, you could really use this anywhere, uh, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to baby it. You, you can just use it wherever and whenever you want. Uh, and, and personally, I would suggest going with the Performance Package 4.0. Uh, that one includes the Weed Whacker great name which uh that one's also waterproof and it's got a 9000 rpm motor uh and it's got this sort of like rotary dual blade 360 degree system which sounds awesome and i would trust it because their products are very trustable uh and like i said before they have that skin safe technology that that just helps prevent any nicks or snags or or tugs or or cuts uh in whatever area you're uh, you're trimming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped uh, by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 in all caps. Uh, I will not be using that promo code because as former Titans linebacker Will Compton pointed out during the game, I don't have a sack. So uh, <laughs> we will, uh, we'll, we'll be discussing that eventually and in this episode so the flaw that i was i was getting at a minute ago is the titans are addicted to adversity and they go through withdrawals when they don't have it i feel like we talked about this two weeks ago after the cardinals game and i wrote a i wrote a column about the whole you know they they had they don't handle success well but i think it's moved beyond that i think they are addicted to adversity I'm fully expecting to go to practice on Wednesday and hear players talking about how we got to rise above and 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 you know we've been dealt a blow but it's all about how you get back off off the mat and and no one's believing in us everyone's doubting us we got to go prove that like and they can't win when they don't have that when they're a six and a half point favorite like they were Sunday morning they they ended up the line went down they were five and a half by the time the game started. When, when they're a five and a half, six and a half point favorite, they can't handle it. 
and, and I think that's real. I don't think that's a coincidence because it's happened over and over again that when this team's back is against the wall and no one believes in them, by golly, they're going to deliver. That's exactly why they went on the playoff run they did two years ago. No one in the United States of America, outside of the state of Tennessee, and and I mean, I certainly didn't think that the Titans were going to beat the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round in 2019 with MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson, but they went in there and smoked them off the field. And it all goes back to that they were doubted. Kansas City Chiefs, that same season, at home. No one thought they were going to win that game. I believe they were coming off of that terrible performance at Carolina. And they go out and they beat the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. Over and over again, this team, and they deserve to be praised for that, that they're so good when their backs are against the wall. But when they're not facing that pressure, when there's not adversity, they're not very good. And I think it's a real psychological, emotional problem. And I feel like part of that might come from Vrabel. Yeah. Uh, What concerns me is that those things you talked about were in 2019. uh, And I can't remember too many times where that happened last season. Maybe the Bills game. Um, although that was like a weird set of circumstances because it, it no, got yeah, played the, on the Bills Tuesday. game is a great example because they hadn't yeah. practiced hardly at all. They hadn't played in two weeks. The Bills were on a hot streak. Josh Allen was in the MVP conversation, and they go out and blow the Bills off the field. Yeah, yeah. But then you have – then they had the Steelers game, like we talked about the Bengals game, the Browns game. Uh, and the then Browns game, that was, that was, that that was maybe a the disaster. best example. Oh, yeah, but like uh, it, it's good, though. Yeah, yeah, but the, the Titans were down like thirty-eight to ten at halftime or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. have as much of a problem. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and go, Matias. Sorry. No, no, I, I was just saying like a, a lot of the things that we talk about, they rise up to the occasion. I feel like we're kind of past that at this point. I'm just not sure if they're if they're very good. It doesn't seem like they are. Well, if they weren't very good, I don't think they would have beaten Seattle in week two. Yeah, like, here's here's the the whole thing, is I think this is the trap we fall into. Like, it's not, is this team good, is this team bad? Because that, in a vacuum, doesn't adequately describe Mike Vrabel's teams. Mike Vrabel's teams are, what we've said over and over, it's that they play up to the level of competition, and they can beat anybody in the league. And they are addicted, like you said, to losing to bad teams. Like they're they, not addicted to losing. What I'm saying is they're addicted to having oh, adversity. And then when they can't get their saying, fix, bad things happen. Yeah, you're saying that they're addicted to being in situations where they have doubters to clearly count on. And when they don't, they can't motivate themselves, and they yes. either struggle to win. So. What I'm saying is those situations are 100% overlapped by teams that they're supposed to beat by 10 or plus points, and those teams usually are bad teams. So they can't help but not get motivated to play bad teams, and they get in this weird cycle of, you know, we underestimated them, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I I mean, we're, we're running in circles here because it's the same infuriating 
issue that we've had over and over again. Like, I'll say this. I think the good news for Titans fans, if you're looking for for some good news in all this, is this is totally – I 100% expected this. This is a loss that won't be replicated in the playoffs. It's – you know, if, if they make the playoffs, obviously. But the point being that if they can get to a place where they have to play tough teams where people will openly doubt them, they, they can always create motivation for themselves then. It's just, can you win the AFC South? Can you get to the playoffs? It, after that, I think they're fine with motivation. Like losing to the Chiefs when you're competitive in that whole game in 2019 and then losing last year to the Ravens at home when they were, you know, that was their Super Bowl and they completely collapsed after that. And, you know, we, we, saw, we saw the game happen. So I, I think that, this is a temporary problem in the fact that it only should last for the regular season. But as long as Vrabel is the head coach, it is the identity of this football team. I don't know. It's it's annoying that they don't change. Well, they like after who's going to change them? Like that. That's the thing. The only constant in in the last three years is Vrabel. (laughs) Like they've changed starting offensive linemen they've changed starting running backs they've changed starting quarterbacks they've changed starting wide receivers they've changed pass rushers linebacker i mean they've changed everything uh, over that time i mean woodyard's not there by byard's still there but the rest of the you know my men catch no ball like that my man catch no ball like that whole crew is gone the coaches are gone defensive coordinator offensive coordinator like the only constant that remains on the field continuing to fail to motivate is mike Rabel. like that like that's the that's the problem i have with people talking about john robinson in the job he's done which i mean we can either get into or not but the fact is that the one constant in all this is the guy who continues to put out disappointing performances what do we think about the coordinators? Yeah. We're going to have different think... opinions here. Well, I mean, then, then give me yours. Well, I'm going to let Matias go. I'm going to let Matias go. Okay, so Downing is very hit or miss. Um, he's he, he called a lot of really bad plays, I thought, and a lot of uh, poor drives uh, in his last game. Um, but I don't know. I mean, he hasn't been a disaster, I don't think. Week one might have been a little bit of a disaster. But um, week, week one was a wash. I'm willing to throw that out I, yeah, for everyone. Yeah. I, I think where we're going to differ is I think Shane Bone sucks. I, I think he stinks. Yeah, I, I just don't see any. I see some improvement. I see some improvement, but I think a lot of it comes from these these players are just more talented uh, than last year. And even if they're not even. I, I don't know. Like I'm seeing the same types of mistakes, uh, and I don't know. Zach Wilson and the Jets scored more points in this game than they had the first three games combined. That's not good, man. That's not supposed to happen. Uh, you're not supposed to let Zach Wilson, who looked like a legitimate bust the first three weeks, finally have his breakout game against you on, on the back of you know really poor performances uh, in, in the Seattle game and the Arizona game. Uh, granted, they played well against the Colts, but Carson Wentz was literally immobile and he shouldn't have been playing. But I, I will give him a little bit of credit for that. But 
I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, what are what are we gaining from having Shane Bowen as our defensive coordinator? So I'm going to agree with you on Todd Downing. I, I was honestly surprised when the game ended and I was seeing people on Twitter like, fire Todd Downing. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't really think he was the problem. Uh, he could have done better, sure. But like you said, Matias, it's not firing territory by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I think the reason that it was such a simple game plan by the end and all they were really doing was throwing the ball to Jeremy McNichols on swings and screens because that's all that was working. And so he was just hitting the button that worked. Now with Bowen, I, I, I don't see it the same way you do. I, I don't think it's been great, but I, I, it's similar to Downing. I don't think it's been great. I also don't think it's been disaster territory. I, I, I don't see what he is doing that is a problem. And I guess, Will, I'm teeing you up for, for this. To repeat what I just said, I don't see what Shane Bowen is doing that is problematic outside of the cushion that is being given to receivers, which that's become a multi-layered, very strange topic. Um, what do you think, Will? So, I, I guess let's start with Todd Downing. Uh, Todd Downing, I, I don't... He has terrible habits. And his habits are, he doesn't like play action. It's, it's never been a part of his game. And it's like pulling teeth to get him to do it in Tennessee. 11 of the 11 starters on offense are geared around a outside zone based, you know, run play action like that, that system that we saw last year work so well. And when you ask those guys to do something, they're not accustomed to doing or something they're not, their skill set doesn't lead towards you get performances like last week. Like you don't see anything from Tannehill's legs because he's not out in space you don't see any open receivers because people are content to cover it the same way over and over because they know that they don't have to be gap disciplined on the backside and stay in the, you know, keep gap integrity because there's not going to be any cutbacks or any naked boots. If you're not run. I mean, uh, unless you're calling them or unless you see it happen, like you can cheat over towards where, you know, Henry's first step goes and you can just basically have your linebacker key and read that spot. That that's, that's, there, there may be too much sort of like nuance and stuff. I can't really explain without visual aids because I'm not, I'm not very good at, at, at trying to convey that because there's so many issues I think he has. But the point is, is this is a play action team. It's a outside zone run team. And I think he fails to do that when it stops working. And that's what kills the team. And that's what keeps them from getting in the kind of rhythms that we saw last year. Um, so I think he's doing a bad job. Uh, and that, by the way, that's also why Tannehill's great is because when he's in the hurry up or when he calls things at the line or when he makes something happen out of nothing after he's gotten sacked the last play and had a receiver drop a pass on the play before, that's just because he's really good at football. So um, what, about, what about Bowen? Yeah, so let's talk about Bowen. Uh, this year the Titans are 13th in sacks, 13th and 13th third down percentage, and they're top eight in explosive plays allowed. And what did we say over and over again in the offseason? If they can get to middle of the pack, yeah, two thumbs up. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's where they are. And it sounds crazy, right? Like 
there, there's no way that you would think the Titans would be the eighth best team in the NFL in explosive plays allowed because it feels like they get ripped. But the problem is, and I've, I looked this up, they've allowed 13 touchdowns this year. Seven of them have been explosive plays of uh, 50 or more yards. And three of them have been plays that have started inside the Titans 35 because of turnovers. Now, you're not going to play a perfect game, but when half of the, you know, half of the touchdowns you've allowed this season are on those freak coverage busts and uh, on plays that start, like I said, inside your own like 35, I mean, it's not that you'll take it, but it means that for the most part, you're playing fundamentally sound defense, despite what the scoreboard says. The problem is they're not getting turnovers. And that there is some issues we may talk about later with what happens when Bud Dupree's not in. But for the most part, I think Shane Bowen's doing an okay job. I think Anthony Midget is a double agent inside the Titans who's just every time a corner asks him what to do, he just kind of like stares in another direction and doesn't respond because <laughs> the corners and the safeties seem so confused. Let's like, talk Kevin, let, let, let's 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 just stay here for a minute. This is a great segue into the conversation about cushion, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm torn on this because uh, I posted that tweet on Tuesday with the Mike Vrabel quote from September 6th and three pictures of plays where the Titans were playing off. And I had a fourth one that I forgot to put up. It's the one that actually you all probably know best, the one from third and three in overtime where Jenkins is playing eight yards off the ball. Uh, Mike Vrabel did not like that tweet. Um, You saw that if you watched his press conference. Um, And and I know that the reason he did not like that tweet is because he felt like some of those plays, because they were against a trips bunch set, it is not fair to say that they were far off because you can't really press a bunch set. And I give him that, and I think he's right. And at least one of those three uh, uh, pictures, I'm willing to say, sure, I'll give Rabel that one. I will say this. I think there's a lot of room between pressing at the line of scrimmage or between pressing uh, a trips bunch set and playing seven yards off the ball, there's some wiggle room there, especially when it's you know third and and very short. Now Vrabel also apparently had issue with the quote that I gave because he in the press conference he was like you know I talk to you guys every day and whatever I say you're going to use it to look. The question I asked him on September sixth was. Do you consider it unaggressive to play off coverage? And he said, well, it depends on down and distance. But in the red zone, if a guy's running into the end zone, we don't coach that. And on third and short, he said third and six, but he was using that as to mean third and short. On third and short, you better not be behind the sticks. Uh, I don't understand why that quote cannot be used to say that what was happening 
on Sunday. Maybe not in that one bunch play, but in some of the other ones, uh, I don't know why that would be unfair. I don't know either. Uh, a pretty loser move to like call you out for, for your tweets. Why is he even scrolling through beat reporters' tweets uh, in, in the first place? Very weird. Very weird behavior, in my opinion. But he, he's always been like kind of an, an ego guy, and I, I think he cares a lot about what people think about him. Um, I, I will say I, that I, that was sort of most people's reaction. Like, like, cause when, when he said that I started to worry, I'm like, sh- I'm like, man, is, is he right? Like, was that out of bounds? And I started to think about it. I'm like, well, I, I'm going to back myself up on the quote. And, and, and I had a discussion with Titans PR about this too. Um, I'm going to back myself up on the quote and, and two of the three plays I stand by, maybe the third one, he has a point. But the reaction that from most fans and and some of my fellow reporters was was what you just said, Matisse. It's like, why is Mike Vrabel coming out after losing to the Jets talking about tweets he saw from reporters? It it's super weird. I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think everyone's a little uh, on edge right now with this loss to the Jets. Um. So so a couple of interesting things are happening. But I don't know. It just feels like Vrabel can never be wrong. You know. That that that's the vibe I get. Uh, he he never really seems to admit um, if he's at fault for something, and I think that's what he's doing with 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 these comments about the cushions and everything. He's kind of making it seem like it's the players that that aren't doing uh, what they're coached to do. Um, but I'm like, did Vrabel say the same things last year? That's what I would want to know. And, and another thing I want to say about the the tweet too, and, and Vrabel's sort of response in that press conference is he he said, oh, because he's like, hey, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. You're going to use it to say that the players were wrong, which really wasn't my intent. Like what I'm thinking in my head when I put po- and, and it's Twitter. I can't write a 700 word column on this tweet to explain what I intended. But what I sort of had in mind was, OK, Vrabel is saying that they're not coaching this. That's not like a then they're not listening to the coaches. It was more on Vrabel. I'm like, are they actually doing a good enough job coaching this? Because if that's what they believe, it's not happening. Yeah. I mean... And, 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 and you know what Vrabel then said? He, he went on his little thing about... And, and it wasn't like angry. Like he was he was smiling. And he, was, he was cordial to me when, when he got out there that day. And he answered all my questions. But he, he, the final thing he said was... I'm going to tell Christian and Janoris that they don't need to be playing 15 yards off on third and three. Like, thank you. That That's the point here. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'll say this. I don't know who said it. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to credit Mike Herndon because that feels right. But uh, somebody said it's weird that Jack Rabbit Jenkins would all of a sudden start playing off man coverage instead of tight man coverage in that scenario. That a 30 plus year old vet would all of a sudden change his his game to something that the Titans struggled with last year and tried to pretend like they were coaching correctly. Um yeah. when as soon as he joined the Titans. That that is a very weird and suspect, you know, and I would never call Mike Vrabel a liar. No. But no. But if somebody did because Jenkins's whole history shows that he didn't do that, then that's a good call. 
somebody should say that. But I, I, I fully whatever. believe that Mike Vrabel is coaching the team to do what he says he's coaching the team to do. He's not lying to us. I just question whether he's doing a good enough job of that. And, yeah, and another I, thing, and I, I sort of touched on this a minute ago, I'm not advocating for them to line up and press people all game long. Because another thing that Vrabel said back on September 6th, which is true, because they were getting ready to face the Cardinals, he said, if you line up and press DeAndre Hopkins all game long, it's just going to be a fade fest. And he's 100% right. I'm not saying you got to jam them. I'm saying don't play eight yards off the ball. The the problem is Vrabel... And, you know, again, this may be midget. Like, there's a good chance that it's not Vrabel who's doing this, and he just is so busy with the areas where he's really an expert at and then the other side of the ball that he's not paying as much attention to the defensive backs. And I know he's going to pay attention to every group and he's going to walk around, blah, blah, blah. But there is clearly a disconnect with the words he says and what happens on the field and what's happened on the field for, you know, when he was the defensive coordinator last year and he was pretending they didn't have one. And then now this year when things are a little bit better, but they're still making some of the same key mistakes that need to be addressed. Like there's, there is an issue there. And so I I don't know if he's just like, Hey, Anthony, make sure you tell your corners to scoot up some. And they're like, okay, thank He's like, okay, thanks for And then they just don't talk about it again. And then it's like, ah, we did it again. That's crazy. Who would have thought I needed to tell him to stick in man coverage, even if this happens? And he's like, huh, I know, buddy. Remember that time back in Houston? We're such good friends. Like, I, I don't I don't know what the deal is, but there's a disconnect there. And there's only so many times I can hear him say, you know, so-and-so got beat on man coverage. And you go back and watch it and, like, the safety's just running the wrong way or, like, you know, there, there's other issues at play that he just seems to be so willing to just say, like, you know, in that coverage, you got to win. You know, this game's all about, you know, winning your assignment and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's 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 hard because, like I said, they're actually doing a good job on defense. But then sometimes I hear him explain things, and I'm like, this is why I don't think you're a good defensive mind because the words you say aren't – that. I don't always – I, I, I don't always think the things he says are being practiced and take that for whatever it is. But like, I, I don't know, like there, there's just been such a disconnect for such a long time between some of these things like off man coverage that it's like, if you're not teaching it and all these guys are doing it independent, like it's all them doing it by themselves, either tell them that you're overruling them or replace them with other people. Uh, that it, it seems that simple. It's it's like it all goes back to Harold Landry playing middle linebacker. You know, sure, one out of every ten plays, like he'll be the guy who makes a play and it looks great. But for the most part, you're taking a guy and putting him in a bad position when there's a much easier, smarter, simpler way to do this. So now, what I want to get into is uh, speed, rapid fire on some bad players, because there are a few that we need to talk about. I don't think there's going to be much dissension from anybody over whether these players are bad. Uh, We're just going to talk about why they're bad. Uh, So rapid fire on bad players coming up in just one second. I was uh, appreciative of of Paul Kaharski 
who who quote tweeted the 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 tweet that Vrabel was talking about. Koharski was still in New York on Monday, so he wasn't at the press conference. But he said this was very good. Vrabel's response to it was not. So I I appreciated that. All right, we will be back momentarily to talk about some bad Titans players. Back here on the No Nonsense Podcast, rapid fire bad Titans players, David Quesenberry, member of the boys club, David Quesenberry. Uh, why is he the right tackle? And, and, and I'm not saying that in a way that is implying that there's anyone better than him on the roster, because I think Kendall Lamb stinks. Uh, maybe Tyson Brylo would be better. What is happening there? Why? Why? I, was there no better plan heading into the season? Did injuries to Quesenberry, excuse me, to uh, to to Sembrilo and Lamb derail the pl- like? Why? Well, I think the plan was for Radons to be the starting right tackle. At least I would hope so. If you're spending a second round pick on him, uh, clearly. He's not. What <laughs> Vrabel's plan? Because rookies aren't allowed to play under Mike Vrabel's yeah, rules. Say, yeah, Vrabel yeah, of course. Play a rookie. Because Quesenberry's uh, veteran expertise is really shining through for the offensive line, which has been possibly the worst offensive line in the league, pass blocking wise. Yeah. And the reason I'm singling out Quesenberry, because you're right, the unit has been bad. Like, you're not benching Lawan, Saffold, Jones, or Davis. All of those are proven commodities. Guesmere is not a proven commodity, and he's not playing well. Yeah, this is tough. Yeah, and honestly, most of the pressure's... (laughs) What is it? Will yeah, says it's like, Todd Downing's fault. That kind of got cut out in the audio. Yeah, sorry. Ahead. Yeah, Todd. I mean, it's it. It all goes back to what we were talking about earlier about him not knowing mm-hmm. how to use the pieces on his offense. Like Questenberry was a decent starter last year when they were using that system that worked. Nate Davis looked a ton better last year. Saffold and Ben Jones were rock solid, borderline Pro Bowl guys. I mean, you know. This whole thing where it's like, I don't know how these five offensive linemen all of a sudden got bad at the same time that we switched this, we took this massive part of our offensive scheme out. It's like, guys, it's, it's, it's so clear. Like, Questenberry is not good, but the whole reason why the Titans made the, you know, took the gamble of we're going to cut Dennis Kelly to save a few million dollars for other a things. A few million we'll dollars later. that they're not using. Well, they're using it. They're just using it on defense because Mike Vrabel threw a hissy fit about, you know, I need seven new starters. And then he was like, I also need all the first round, all, all the, or the first round pick and then two third round picks on defense. I'm not going to start them, but I just want them there because I like them. Like that, that's, that's another thing that I think Vrabel is not getting nearly enough criticism for is if he would have just won with, played mediocre defense with the guys that Dean Pease was making decent defenses out of, then you could keep Corey Davis. You could keep John U. Smith. You could keep Dennis Kelly and not worry about it. Like all of these things came from the fact that the Titans had to pinch pennies on offense to give money to defense because Mike Frabel, the guy he stood on the guys he stood on the table for two years ago weren't paying an out and he just could not stand the fact that maybe he didn't know how to call the game correctly. Do we have a number for how many times they ran play action 
Because I don't think I could recall one. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they did, but I can't right now point and say, well, it was this play. That was one time they did it. It was probably like seven plays or something. I, I may be able to look it up. Thought, I would have taken the under on that. Yeah, t- talk amongst yourselves. Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> it's it's funny how they overcorrected after week one for week two, and then they go back to the same exact thing. Yeah, in they week overcorrected, four. which which means like they just did the right thing and it worked. They put up thirty three yeah. points. And the weird thing is that Henry was working. Hen- like Henry's always going to work. I I said this yesterday. Uh, you you could put Logan Woodside out there, and Henry would still be a nightmare. Like that dude's in an elite class, but uh. yeah, I mean you're you're not wrong, but it's just like it's hard because he he did average a lot, but he, like the whole thing is like you really want him to rip those long cutbacks because it sort of makes everything else work. But I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his uh, hold on, let me let me just say this real quick. I'm looking at uh, Tannehill's numbers. Uh, I, I haven't found how many they ran last week. Um, I'll find that in a second. But this says uh, they've run play action on just 25 percent of the dropbacks, and on those uh, dropbacks, he's 25 of 35 for 376 yards and a touchdown. And like 10, 10.7 yards per attempt on yeah. non play action, he's uh, 71 of 116, which is just 61%, so 10% less completion percentage, uh, and a 5.8 yards per attempt. And all three of his interceptions have come off that. Now, the interceptions have bounced directly off the guy's hands, but like, I mean, come on. Like, it, it, like it's the. It's just such a massive difference. I, I don't understand 10 yards per attempt, 10.7 yards per attempt to 5.8 yards per attempt. Like, and, I can't and, understand. And off it. of that, what did we think about the receivers? As, as we continue just naming Titans players who aren't very good or, as I said, bad, that may have been a bit aggressive. Uh, what did we think about the receivers? Because all we heard all training camp was, man, we got this this depth at receiver and hey, Julio and AJ aren't out there in training camp, but think of the connections that Ryan Tannehill is building with the depth players. And you know where that was? Nowhere to be found. Because those those fellas couldn't get open for anything. Josh Reynolds was probably the best receiver out there. Oh, Chester Rogers was all right, I, I suppose. Chester Rogers is a fine role player. He's not a go-to threat. Yeah, um, I was seeing a lot of negative tweets about Josh Reynolds. I thought he, I thought he looked pretty good. I, he, I thought he, he missed some chances. I, I, I yeah. know that first target would have been an acrobatic catch, but I believe that was a chance for him to do something nice and make something happen. The deep ball he's got to catch. The one where he hurt himself, he's got to haul that in. Yeah, that was pass yeah. interference, by the way. The it guy was, with both arms yeah. around his neck from sure. behind, and they called like two pass interferences on the Titans on defense when they like had minimal con- that that BS one at the end of the game where Crookshank is just standing there and Corey Davis runs into him and falls over, and then they're like that's pass interference for forty yards, but the guy's draped over uh, Reynolds's back and like. Whatever. Like I'm not I'm not defending Reynolds here. I thought he did I thought he did fine. By the way, what did but, you think of Corey Davis effort during the game? Corey Davis is him. a stud. He's always been a stud. Like that's that's the thing, is it's like 
I mean, I know, I know, like we've always said, he's a wide receiver too, and I still think that's true because you want your wide receiver ones to be like AJ Brown, where it's like if you give him ten targets, he's gonna have 140 yards. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback or whatever. But like that, the the Jets game should have been a very happy game for me because Harold Landry and Corey Davis were outstanding. But but you know. Whatever, like I, back I'm not to the Titans to receivers, current Titans yeah. receivers. They're all garbage. Chester <laughs> Rogers is is worth the spot because he's a good special teams player and because he's decent in the slot. Nick Westbrook Aquina dropped a fourth down pass. He's he, he is borderline embarrassing to watch. He has that one touchdown that Vrabel loved and he talked about in the locker room after the game. It, but he also fumbled a ball inside the. 20 yard line which and is on one that of the touchdown they just like didn't cover him he yeah like he he is it's same thing with cam batson who also had a touchdown in this game simply by sheer yeah simply by sheer will of ryan Tannehill, like hurrying everybody to the line moving people around you know who's, calling todd downing out. is the reason cameron batson has a touchdown not cameron batson yes yeah, like I, I that was would a, that was that. a nifty play also, design. I will say, I'm sure Todd Downing didn't call that. I'm sure that was a Tannehill thing because that was in the last 13 seconds of the game or whatever. Like Tannehill is supposedly has control over those plays, so I, w- I would assume that Tannehill drew that up, you know, or, or something. But maybe that's just me giving credit to Tannehill because he always does so well and hurry up. But regardless, like you know, like. Nick Westbrook-Akina should be off the team, but he's got the Questenberry thing where he's in Vrabel's good graces and that... that but Questenberry was a Houston boy. Like, Questenberry is higher up on well, the And Questenberry has a great story, and that's why he's on the team. Like, I, I like Questenberry. I think he, in a zone scheme... Well, I Questenberry think he is, a, is... I think any team would take David Questenberry, just not as the guy. Yeah. And, and it's got... He's I mean, an it's NFL make, player, certainly. Yeah. Like he shouldn't really be your starter, but that that's you know we've already kind of beat that horse. But you know, like the the touchdowns this season, I think AJ Brown and Julio Jones have combined for one because that uh, that other one didn't count in Seattle, even though it should have. But that that feels like bad planning. Like it, it feels like they should have gotten more touches in the red zone. It feels like. I don't know. Like, I feel like they're just overthinking all this, but that's getting back into Todd Downing stuff. The point is that nobody, no receivers that played on Sunday should be active if everybody's healthy except for Rodgers. Uh, I like Reynolds. I think, I think he looked. Yeah. Okay. Reynolds is fine. Reynolds is fine. I think he had, he had what five catches for like 60 yards or something. Like, he, he didn't yeah. do bad. Like, when they needed a receiver to catch a, fir- a pass to make a first down, it was either him or Rodgers or somebody who was going to drop the pass. Ferks are also yeah. very underwhelming. Well, yeah, but he was coming off an what injury. Was his snap count? Do, do we know his snap counts? Because I saw a lot of Jeff Swaim out there, and he's oh, terrible. Can we? Yeah, he, let's boy. let's as we continue to talk about bad yeah. Titans players. <laughs> that dude. So he can't catch. He's dropped several key passes already this season. But I kept getting, because I would always say, I kept saying, why is he on the team? Why is he on the team? Why is he starting? Why is he starting? Oh, he's a great blocker, don't you know? Uh, There's this clip. I sent it to you guys. 
We'll retweet it. I'll, I'll do that right now. We'll retweet it from the No Nonsense account of Jeff Swaim trying to block John Franklin Myers in the run game. And this dude got absolutely destroyed. I'm listening to it right now. This might be copyrighted, yeah. so I don't know if we're allowed to have that. He was moved like five yards backwards straight into Derrick Henry. Yeah, it sucks. Like because he was a good blocker last year, but I don't know why Pruitt doesn't play every snap. Like I, I don't understand. Like he's an adequate receiver and he's a better blocker and he understands what he should be doing on offense and he's got chemistry with the other guys. Like, like I wish I. I it's got to be Vrabel or Downing or whoever, but the, that's the problem. Is there's talent on this roster. And Mike Vrabel and whoever he's allowing to make these decisions just continue to mess it up. It's it's so embarrassing to watch them trot out the wrong people week after week. And sometimes it doesn't catch them and doesn't it, you know doesn't screw them during the game. But it's always the wrong decision. It's just if they can win with it or not. It, it's so embarrassing. Pruitt might be might be the most underrated player on this team. Like I have never seen him play poorly. He just always does his job. Either it's blocking or he he gets like one or two targets in a game. He catches them. Sometimes they go for touchdowns. He's just good. Like he should be playing a near every down roll at this point, especially with Ferkser banged up, Jeff Swaim looking like very washed, uh, and Tommy Hudson, who's just like a guy. I, I don't know how Pruitt isn't in there on almost every snap. Yeah, this year he has five catches for 64 yards and a two-point conversion. Like, I mean, and he's only been on the team, like, he's only been on the field for three games. Like, I I, I don't know. It's another frustrating thing that if you ask, it'll just be like, well, we thought situationally that in the numbers on special teams, and you'll get all these made-up answers that don't mean anything, which is I think I'm smarter and – you know, a better coach than everybody else. It's very aggravating. One last installment in this segment of bad Titans players. Your boy, Will, big 5-4, Rashawn Evans. Yeah, man, like, look, I've said this before, and it goes back, you know, Rashawn Evans, he played at Alabama. He got, you know, got rings, was awesome, was a cool edge. Like, so he knows and has heard this infinitely more times than I have. If you're going to be wrong, be wrong at full speed. And that, like, all that means is, like, if you're going to go in the wrong direction, if you're not going to make a tackle, if you're going to do something, do it so fast that you can at least cause the running back or the offensive line, somebody to mess up along the way so that somebody else can make up for you. I mean, it's just there's so many plays where he just stands still, like, like plays on the goal line where he just stands still finds a tight end, walks towards the tight end so the tight end can block him, and then takes two steps back and then looks at the running back in the end zone. Like, And it happens all the time. On passing downs, he always seems to take two steps in the wrong direction before he takes one in the right. And then like, he ended up on Corey Davis one play, and Corey Davis dropped the pass. And I was like, man, the Titans really dodged a bullet. And Sala, to his credit, like, or, or whoever the offensive coordinator is, uh, went right back to that like later in the game, and obviously it worked. And Corey Davis got a long, another long catch because you can't leave 
Rashawn Evans in that kind of position because he won't even be close. I mean, at least when Jayon or Long are out there, like, and they're, I, I like Long and Brown. Like, I think, I think they're good. I think they're right fits for this team. They're just not getting starts. But man, like, it, it's just like, it's like you're playing with 10. I mean, it has completely turned me off drafting, you know, non-pass rushing linebackers forever. Like, just don't do it. It's it. It will never work. Yeah, you know what's embarrassing when Harold Landry lines up a middle linebacker and outplays you so much <laughs> completely. I mean, it's crazy. so much better. Like it, it, like it's crazy to watch how fast Harold Landry flows to the ball on. Uh, on those plays and like he'll he'll it's almost like if he was backside i can imagine a scenario where he runs in front of rashawn evans before rashawn evans takes two steps forward and makes a tackle and then rashawn evans falls on top of him like where where is monty rice he's a rookie great question you know what's a good (laughs) question is uh, and let let me let me just rant about this for just a second and then and then I'll, i'll cut it off but so are we going to talk about the Fulton uh, corner switch stuff? No, because I mean we can. I I don't think well, there's me, much do to let that. Me, let me let me run through this because everybody and their mom has asked. In case you missed it, Chris Jackson got hurt. He was the Titans' starting slot corner. Uh, he got hurt during the game, and uh, the Titans moved Christian Fulton from where he was an absolute stud on the outside, locking guys down week after week. They moved him inside the slot where he was very uncomfortable and didn't do well because he had not practiced and didn't really understand what to do in the slot. What they should have done is use the guy that they started the season with in the slot, which is Elijah Molden, the rookie, and it would have helped for two reasons. One, I guess three reasons. One, you have somebody who knows the position you're asking them to play. Two, you get to leave Fulton outside so he gets to match up against Corey Davis, and that sure would have helped. And then three, almost 100% of the momentum for the Jets came from uh, Wilson rolling out to his right and, you know, escaping quote-unquote pressure and then throwing it downfield down the sideline because he got outside of the pocket. Those plays also happened to be two of the plays where Danico Autry was responsible for the outside edge and he just didn't get it because he should not be a full-time edge, and that's what Vrabel and Bowen are trying to make him right now. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you get that awesome sack on third and goal, or third and goal in overtime that forces a field goal, and that's cool. But you're also going to get what happened, which is you're going to get a mobile quarterback who can just get outside of you. And once you're outside of that edge, you're just there's no pressure and you have time to let everybody else escape their, their coverage and you see what happens. And so one way to stop that, if you just decide you don't want to play Ola Daney at edge to, to fix that, which would be an easy scenario, or if Bud Dupree isn't healthy, which Bud Dupree would have played that position the whole time. And that would, those two plays would not have happened with Bud Dupree on the field and the Titans win that game by 24 points regardless. It, one way to stop that is to play Elijah Molden and line him up on the right side as a slot corner and just blitz him from that side. Like they did it against the Bucks in the preseason. I know it's in the playbook. We've seen we've seen Molden get a sack off of it, and yet when 
the chips were on the table when it mattered most. Vrabel and Bowen just decided they would rather move all those pieces around despite the miscommunication it caused, despite the lack of understanding of their positions, and despite the fact that at one point they agreed that the best corner combination they had was Jenkins and Fulton on the outside and Molden in the slot. And they just abandoned that in favor of something they drew in the dirt. And that is another frustrating thing that Mike Vrabel has done. But anyway, the big picture here is it doesn't matter if you're good or bad. If If you're a rookie, the only way Mike Vrabel will start you is if he handpicked you and stood on the table for you during the draft or if everybody else gets hurt in front of you and you make it through camp without an injury, you earn his respect just by sheer force of luck and you get to start after that we don't have time on this episode to have this discussion but i think it's fair to wonder are the players that are being drafted just not that good and that's why we disagree Uh, okay Okay. Well, I mean, I mean like, we we can have that conversation yeah, later. I know. We, yeah, we should. Let the record reflect. Will does not believe that that is the case. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I will say, Will, you had a great tweet. I can't remember when it was, but you said that my arch nemesis, Will Compton, would uh, is better than Rashawn Evans, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah, like it, like it sucks because we did that before uh, all that other stuff went down, but. I mean, I, I think I said something to the effect of somebody needs to be brave enough to say that Will Compton would give the Titans more right now than Rashawn Evans is. He would. And, yeah, and I, I hate mean, myself for saying that because it makes me sound like I'm tier one wolf or whatever. But like, I actually do love the podcast. Like, I, I know we, we have different opinions on that. But uh, yeah, like it, it's what Will it's just, Compton gave the Titans in 2020 is better than what Rashawn Evans is giving them in 2021. Yes. Um. All right, we've got one more topic to get to before Stop the Nonsense. And that topic is Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Titans' upcoming opponent. We will talk about Urban Meyer. We will talk about Two Fingers. We will talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we will do Stop the Nonsense. You are listening to No Nonsense, Tennessee Titans podcast. Back here on No Nonsense to talk about Urban Meyer getting busy in Ohio. What in the world? This stuff is wild. I mean, I was uh, I was driving in Saturday night. I uh, I was in Columbia, my hometown, on Saturday. I came back here on Saturday night, and that's when the tweets started coming out, and. Then the more information that was learned about this, it just got weirder. I mean, the press conference was very strange where he got asked by reporters about this and talked about, it was all about the grandkids, right? Like, I think it is strange that he stayed in Ohio and didn't fly back with his team. That is very different. Then he's like, well, you know, these girls wanted me to take a picture with them and I should have just said no and gotten out of there. And it was, he played the victim card. And then there's this shot of him uh, putting his fingers where they do not belong. Um, Can you be more descriptive with that? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. You, it's wild, right? 
Yeah, super creepy um, that a, a guy of his age who's married um, would uh, would would do the what he what he did, even though he he claims that the the woman was just dancing there, just 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 next to him, and he like he didn't even know he didn't even know she was there. <laughs> uh, crazy stuff, very weird, very creepy. Um, he's probably not going to last the entire season. Uh, I thought he might have gotten fired this week, honestly. Shad Khan's oh, I, statement. I think the jury is still out on that based on Michael Lombardi's tweet. Yeah, yeah. That Michael Lombardi crazy. he had two Jaguar sources tell him that there are closed door meetings happening this week. Or that have happened this week. It happened on Monday or whatever. Yeah, and that this situation... And uh, neither of them involved the Titans. <laughs> yeah. Which Dude, is awesome. My favorite part was that he canceled the team meeting. On- <laughs> yeah, that was a vibe. <laughs> because he was too scared to face he- the players. Yeah, that's insane. Like, our, our friend Barry McCockner had a great tweet about this. He, and this, this was Barry the analyst, not Barry the satirist. He said, it, it is wild that Urban Meyer has won three national championships is widely considered to be one of the top five best college football coaches of all time. And yet his persona outside, outside of his wife and Tim Tebow, like to everyone other than his family and Tim Tebow, he is a meme. Yeah. He's like, like the other, like, like, legendary coaches because he is he's a legend he's one of the best ever in college football not in the nfl obviously but the other legends like you know pete carroll and obviously belichick and nick say like those guys aren't like memes in people's eyes you know uh like it it, i'm trying to figure out the right way to say this uh (laughs) Because I, I, in my dreams before this season happened, what I wanted is for the Titans defense to get better, the offense to stay the same, and the entire goal of this year should be to destroy Trevor Lawrence. Like confidence-wise, like mentally, like I don't want him hurt, but like you want him to get that like David Carr. Like you want him to get to the point where he gets so shook and he sees so many ghosts that he's never the same quarterback again. And so far so good. Now the Titans are almost an unmitigated disaster in terms of like helping people get to where they should be like Zach Wilson and, you know, like doing things like that in an effort to try to make sure that the young talent in the league always feels better after they play him. But I did not imagine that tri- that Urban Meyer would crash and burn so bad, so quickly, and it speaks to the toxicity of Jacksonville. Like I don't know how, but everything that goes there is poisoned and bad, and that's why. Like I tweeted on uh, last Thursday when I was watching the game, I tweeted about how it was really fun to watch Josh Allen, the Kentucky pass rusher that got drafted by. Uh, the Jaguars, not the quarterback, and how I was so excited to see where he was going to end up once he demanded a trade out of Jacksonville. 
And I did it as a joke because everybody hates Jacksonville and want to leave so badly. But after this week, like I truly think there's a chance that at the trade deadline, he walks up to Shad Khan and says, you know, you've made, you've made me an embarrassment. Like, I don't want to be here. I see why everybody else left. They're all texting me, making fun of me. Either make me the highest paid Ed Rusher in the league or trade me or cut me. I don't care, but I'm not going to be part of a joke franchise. Yeah, he doesn't really, we probably don't have time, but go ahead. Uh, he hadn't been playing very well. Josh Allen? No, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Well, well he, no, played, he played he well on go, Thursday night. Yeah, he, he, he was pretty good the against the Bengals. Yeah, like let, let him. Oh, score. he's going to rip the, the Titans apart. <laughs> yeah, you forget that uh, Urban Meyer started using him as a read option quarterback this past weekend, and that was super fun because after the Bengals just adjusted to it in the second half, he they only put up a field goal in the second half, but nobody wants to talk about that. But yeah, I, like that was fun. That I, what like, are the chances that? What are the chances that Urban Meyer is not on the sideline for the Jaguars this week? Zero. They're, uh, they're gonna let, yeah. Uh, really? Gonna okay. Be, yeah, he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. Like <laughs> they, like they, they want to make sure, like if they lose to the Titans at home after a long week, that it's not like, well, they made an overreact decision. It's like this guy clearly doesn't have it. Like. You know, he was doing this, like all the info got out that he didn't go home and like all like, you know, if they fire Urban and it's Charlie Strong or whoever else is an interim coach, the Titans are getting killed. Yeah, Yeah. they they do notoriously lose to uh, interim They lost to Kneebiter and their current quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. Who? Wait, what? The Titans lost to Dan Campbell and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Who did you say? Oh, Kneebiter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Kneebiter. I thought you said like Kneebiter. And I was like, is that like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I'm pretty sure the tight end is not named. I'm pretty sure. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kneebiter. Like a hockey name. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I can, is I can hear Doc Emmerich. Kneebiter from the point. Yeah. Was, that's exactly. why I was so confused. Uh, but yeah, like it, yeah, and I think they've done it to somebody. Oh, they lost to uh, uh, the Texans uh, coach when he Romeo Cornell, didn't they? When he took over, for, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like that seems right. Like it seems like a team the Titans would lose to. Well, the but, biggest one was Maroney, Doug Maroney, when we they knocked us out of the like Mar- playoffs. Maroney? When they basically, yeah, they. But basically, granted, I think that there's an E at the end, is there? Yeah, there's an E, but there's is not a Y. It, is it Marone? It's, it's Marone. E. Yeah, it's Doug Marone. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was Doug Marone. <laughs> no, it's Doug Marone. Yeah, man, yeah the Christmas Eve day. game. You know who yeah. also ruined the, the Christmas Eve? That, that, so, sorry, I'm getting worked up here. That Christmas Eve day that, you, that you're talking about where the Titans lost to Doug Marone and the Jaguars, mm-hmm. Mariota broke his leg, but then they had hope. They even the had Texans hope of winning Bengals the division game. with Matt Castle because if – the <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals had beaten oh, yeah. the Houston Texans. Yep. Then they would have played for the division in Week 17. And the Cincinnati Bengals, you know who they sent out for a game-winning kick? <laughs> the fattest of Randy's. Yep. <laughs> and he missed. Yep. So that is a great oh, parallel my. to end this with because the Titans disastered the Jets and that terrible Christmas Eve day for them 
Both ended the same way with a missed Randy Bullock field goal kick. Honestly, I've never yeah. been happier to see Randy Bullock miss a kick uh, than when he missed a, <laughs> a tie is an embarrassment that you can't I mean, get off of your record. Like, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, how do I cover a tie? How do I react to a tie? I don't know. It's not, I mean, don't you uh, want the tie for winning percentage purposes, no. though? I mean, yeah. Let's say, like, you Yeah, know? of course. Yeah. Okay. But, like, but, like I don't like, know how, like, I remember the strangest post-game on-field interview I've ever seen was Michelle Tafoya interviewing Bobby Wagner after the Cardinals and Seahawks tied. Like, Bobby Wagner had no idea what to say or how to react. Yeah, McNabb. Do do you remember? McNabb, yes, I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. McNabb famously uh, did not know that a game could end in a tie and just, like, was so confused, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that "I feel was like I've seen that before." I, I can't remember. Yeah, that was the first time I think I knew that teams could tie because I feel like it didn't happen for like. I mean, it, it's such a rarity. Yeah, and like it's not like soccer where it happens commonplace. The move is that Basically. you just say you just start calling them a one-loss team. Well, then, like you stop referring to their record, and you're just like the one-loss Tennessee Titans. Yeah, <laughs> or like is instead there- of like. Two, one and one. Uh, American football and and soccer, those are the only major sports where you can tie, right? Baseball, you can't tie. Hockey, you can't tie. And, basketball, uh, you can't. You can no, in basketball? basketball you just, no, no, I'm like, saying you can't. No, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Like college I mean, football, I don't mind that it keep. I mean, I didn't want to watch another 10 minutes of that, but. Uh, I would have liked it if the Titans would have been able to keep the ball and <laughs> just run their offense and score well, a touchdown, sure. which is what they were on pace to do. But yeah, I mean, like I, I think like it seems weird to me that you would need time as a factor if you change it to where it's like okay, both teams get a chance to possess at once. Like, I, I mean, I guess theoretically it could be a zero to zero game that okay, like is overtime being only ten minutes. Maybe I have a bone to pick with that. Yeah, being somehow shorter yeah. than a quarter, but like, why did he change that? That was that was didn't make sense, really. There's only time for two five minute drives at, at most. I mean, if you split it down the middle. All right, well, we need to get we need to get to yeah, stop the nonsense. That's technically true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who would like to start us this week? I'll start. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I, I was torn between two. Uh, so I'm gonna kind of yell the first one and go to the second one. Uh, stop using time of possession like it matters. It's the stupidest stat in the world. It doesn't mean anything. At least it's um, not completion percentage. That's the ultimate meaningless stat. Yeah, I guess it all sucks. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, my 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 stop the nonsense is for some reason there is this big push that, that should the Titans have gone for two at the end of the game, and it's every like. Of all the bones I, know, I had man. to pick with Mike Frable, look, how many games has he gone to overtime with and I, won? Look, I'm not saying all they should them? have gone for two. I just don't think it's unfair to ask the question. I think I think if you're I, I think there's no way on earth anybody should have expected Mike Frable to do that when I believe his overtime record since being the Titans head coach is five and zero. Oh. In I, the one time he went for two was against the Chargers in London, and they didn't get it, and they lost the game. Like, 
I, I don't know. Like, it seems crazy to me that somebody would ask that question. Just like, just from the standpoint of when was the last time you remember the Titans making a mistake by going to overtime? Like they constantly win overtime games. Like Ryan Tannehill is one of the best overtime and fourth quarter quarterbacks in the NFL today, if not the best. So I, I'm, I'm, I am perfectly comfortable doing that rather than trusting Nick Westbrook Aheen to catch a pass in the end zone for the two-point conversion. So uh, also they had to run a two-point conversion already and a couple of goal line plays. So you've probably already used two of your best three two-point conversion kind of plays. Like you don't know what the, you know, it might've just been a handoff and then you don't want to get stuffed at the goal line and that's how you lose the game. Like, you know, Give give yourself a chance to win it in overtime, but I, I I thought that was crazy. Um, I I'll just say that shotgun zone read with Tannehill and Henry, I've never seen it not work. That is fair. It is yes. it is theoretically unstoppable. <laughs> not only has it never not worked, seemingly neither of them have ever gotten touched except for the Kansas City <laughs> yeah. game. When yeah. Tannehill like went head first into the safety, and he really didn't even need to. No, he just was like, "I'm just going to put my nuts on the table and do it." But yeah, it's you are correct that for some reason that never has failed. All right, I'll uh, uh, I'll go next. My nonsense is like, why why was Sunday declared Fight Loop Day on Twitter? It, I I have never experienced that volume of people like and and it wasn't even just people coming at me like everything I tweeted was like getting it was very strange I I don't know why but it was also fight Luke day because I had I had people coming at me all game long Uh, people saying I don't know what I'm talking about Will Compton told me I need to grow a sack and then came out on Tuesday and uh had a, an edit of me. Have you seen this, Matthias? Will, I didn't even know about this. Will told me about it. I should not have said anything. <laughs> Where Will I Com- have not seen the edit, no. Will Compton <laughs> edited me into a clown attire. Well, okay, he didn't necessarily edit you. Like, he blurred out your name and put a clown emoji over your face so that you wouldn't get, like, I don't know if it's so you wouldn't get chirped at or so you wouldn't get like the free publicity, but he'd already retweeted you. So I, I think that was more like, at least because I like Will Compton, I'm assuming that was more of a kindness rather no than like piling on. That's what it was. I, I mean, I just saw it. I just saw it. Honestly, yeah. high quality, to be honest. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, I don't know that that was weird to me too. And I tweeted about it this morning. Like, it, we had not talked about it in the DMs or anything, but I saw that and p- people were hassling Luke and I could not understand why. And then like, I, I mean, let's say I, I'm going to make these two names up and if they sound familiar, it's, you know, it's whatever, but let's say Jim White and Teresa, like they both used uh, Luke's quote from the press conference for the question he asked in their article and everybody was like, oh, man, like, that's such good information. Like, when they tweeted an answer to a question Luke asked, in the same breath, the same people are like, you just say stuff on here. And I'm like, 
look, I wouldn't get mad and argue with somebody if I knew they didn't know what they were talking about. Like the reason I fight with Luke so much is because we just see the game and have different opinions on it. But it was wild that that happened. It, it was just very strange because of the, the amount of people. And then, you know, of course, Vrabel at the end being like, oh, yeah, I saw your tweet. Like, yeah, it was very he's a tier strange. One. He's a tier one. Tier for, one. Uh, yeah. For the podcast. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the world just comes crashing down on you for no reason. It's OK. It happens. I mean, you guys were commenting on it. I mean, T.S., you were, you were like, uh, man, like <laughs> you're just fighting people off right and left. Yeah, it was I crazy. Was, I was it was crazy. There were so many of them. Yeah, like, like uh, man, no one ever wants that in their I in their mentions I, at any point. I generally sympathize with the swarms of Titans fans and stuff because we're all going through the same pain and anger at the same time. But it certainly felt like Luke when like Paul Kaharski exists and like when the Outkick people are alive, like that he was any sort of lightning rod for that attention. Paul Paul was having to prop me back up. <laughs> I See, I think earlier. I think that's I think that's like uh, I think that's a fake nice move. I think he's like, oh, I can't believe you guys would be mad at this guy. Look, I like him. No, me and Paul Boy, get please along don't be fine. mad at him. I know. I'm just I just do not like him. It it's weird that people attacked you for for that tweet. Like the tweet wasn't even that bad. It's what, not the like one you about know, like, off co- the one about off coverage. No, no, the Vrabel. Oh, the Vrabel thing. That tweet went off. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not that different than what we said last week, where we, it's like, is it this? I know. <laughs> this, yeah, it's like, we trust that Vrabel's not going to. And I'm like, don't say it. Like, we'll jinx it. <laughs> and, I mean, we didn't jinx it. Vrabel just doesn't prepare his teams. But I, I don't know. Like, it, it's got to be because you're so much younger than a lot of these people. And, like, <laughs> yeah. you just. You're just like a little yeah. bit smaller than them, and like let like you're like not an older beat writer or whatever. And so people take their shots, like, but I'm like, I'm going, I'm going back and uh, and reading the comments, and it's like split down the middle. There's of course Will Compton saying, "Grow a sack." Someone says a Titans media member who sounds like his high school girlfriend just dumped him in first period. Funny. But then like <laughs> someone says, "I don't know why people are clowning this. This is a completely reasonable reaction." Uh, I've been. Someone said I've been saying this for a while. Um, and like, but then like this person named Dead Wagon says, just psychotic. A bad football game, and these adults are acting like babies on this stupid website. I mean, like it sounds uh. crazy that this person supported <laughs> you, but uh, shout out to at for the boys seventy seven. <laughs> Who had a who had a Lil Wayne gif to my tweet earlier that said "f the haters," and uh, <laughs> so like it, of of all the like usernames to support you for the boys seventy seven is yeah like who appreciate it <laughs> but it's like it's like just like but that is a funny like ironic yeah it really is Twitter handle all right uh, Matthias bring us home yeah my stop the nonsense is Vic Fangio. This guy oh, sucks. He, he is a loser. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, uh, the Ravens crushed the Broncos. Uh, and with three seconds left in the game, the Ravens got the ball back. Uh, and they needed, I think, three or four yards uh, to extend their streak of games with 100 plus rushing yards uh, to 43 straight games, which 
pretty cool record, honestly. Like that that is pretty cool. I, I would try to keep that if possible. So the Ravens ran a play, uh, and they ended up getting it. I think they got four or five yards. Uh, and Vic Fangio after the game, or maybe the, the the day after, I can't remember, he says, I thought it was kind of BS, but I expected it from them. That's their mode of operation. Player safety is secondary. Uh, just just a severe l- loser take right there. It's football, man. It's football. The fact that we even kneel in, in general is kind of contrary to the competitive spirit of football. Um, so I, I, I do not understand this, this, this way of thinking by Fangio. I know a lot of other coaches definitely think about it think in this way uh but a lot of them are just older and you know they've been around for a while and they have all these unwritten rules uh that they have to adhere to uh but i thought john harbaugh uh had a really good quote also uh once he heard the fangio quote he said you're throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left i don't know that there's a 16 point touchdown that's going to be possible right there so that didn't have anything to do with winning the game either and he's right. And I love it. And some people were like, well, actually, uh, the Bengals did score uh, two touchdowns in such and such time back in 19, 2019. And it's like, yeah, man, but like onside kicks are harder to get back now. Like it's it's a different game. Like it's not like even if even if you're technically right. It's just a weird look to be like the person defending that line. Like, I don't know. I, I dislike all of that. Matias is, is coming to us from New York City. He is fresh off of catching performances of Wicked and Hades Town. Um, he will give us his reviews uh, when we have some more time next week. In all seriousness, yes, though, Matias, I will ask this What transportation are you using? Are you going to be a big subway guy or an Uber guy? Well, the hotel I picked is 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 walking distance of uh, the office I have to go to. Okay, but I am meeting up with some friends. I think Thursday night. Probably gonna use the subway. Seems like uh, Uber and taxi is not the way to go. I will say, the taxi, uh, real welcome to New York moment. The taxi from the airport to my hotel was fifty dollars. And that that one hurt. So I'm already off to a riveting start <laughs> here. What, but you can get a week subway pass for thirty five dollars, and that includes buses. I've always said that. Yeah, yeah. Do not support support your local taxi drivers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> support uh, support you your go government transportation though. instead. Is Wicked still on Broadway? No, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Is it really? Yeah. Shout out Popular, the best song. (laughs) 18 years strong. I guess I took a year off for COVID. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. We will be back next week to talk about how the Titans fare against Urban Meyer and his very focus, I imagine, Jacksonville Jack. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.